Hello everyone, Alan Mischer here from Vitality Explorer News. Welcome to the Vitality Explorer News podcast. This week, we're going to start off as we like to do with a quote, and here it is. Time is free, but it is priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can never get it back. And that's from Harvey McKay. Remember, time is free, but it is also priceless. So you're listening to the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to enhance global vitality one person at a time. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of our other goals is to take the friction out of staying vital and help you make deposits into your Vitality bank account. So this week, we're going to talk about optimizing our quality time remaining. That's our QTR. We're going to talk about seven years younger than your true age or seven years younger than my true age on a test I took this week. And then we're going to talk about something important. We're going to talk about how to enhance your memory with fasting. You can check out one of our discussions last week on Vitality Explorer on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. That is, we'll chat GTP uh, replace your doctor. I think it's important to stay up uh, and interested in the latest things that are going on in the world. And I think AI will be part of how we live a more vital life. So let's, and that's probably one of the most important ways it could help us is with optimizing our time. So let's jump into that first discussion point for the week here, and that is optimizing your quality time remaining. And it, and some of the details, again, can be found on Vitality Explorer's Substack, Substack site. You can also sign up at VitalityExplorers.com to receive a free text message version of this that comes to your phone every Monday morning. So the idea I have about this optimizing your time is not new. You know, I've talked about this before. Many other people have talked about it. But here's, here's the idea. We never know when we will have our last best day. Some of us have maybe many years or decades left. Um, some of us never want to think about that, by the way. Um, some have only a few years left. And then some of us will experience an unfortunate event that will take us suddenly from the planet when we least expect it. Now, this is not a morbid post, but rather a call uh, to action. You know, when I wrote this up for the, the Substack site, I knew that sounded a little bad when we started. But the call to action is to say, okay, we do not know how much time we have left. And I think in the next five minutes, I'm going to teach you how to optimize your time remaining. Now, several philosophers have talked about this. And Seneca, one of my favorite ancient Roman Stoic philosophers, he wrote extensively about the value of time and the importance of living in accordance with reason and virtue. And he agreed that focusing on living a meaningful life uh, rather than simply living a long life was very important. So that's, a, that's an interesting question you might ask yourself now or, or sometime this week. Would you like to have a meaningful life or a long life? All right. Henry David Thoreau, the American philosopher and writer, also naturalist, emphasized the importance of living a deliberate, he called it a deliberate and mindful life. In his book, Walden, he discussed the need to simplify one's life and focus on what truly matters to find fulfillment. So um, I'm a huge a Thoreau fan, and I'm going to try to embrace a, a few of his concepts and simplify, 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 because I think that's one way we forget to find fulfillment, meaning purpose, and happiness in this life. And of course, Viktor Frankl, 
the Austrian psychiatrist, also Holocaust survivor, developed logotherapy, which is a form of existential psychotherapy focusing on finding the meaning from one's life. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he emphasized the importance of finding purpose, pursuing it, regardless of the amount of time left in one's life. So he was basically the psychiatrist in in the you know concentration camp and how do you how do you survive that well i think he, what he figured out in that horrific time there is that if you have meaning if you have purpose you can survive and it's been you know discussed by many many philosophers over the years if you know your why you can figure out a how i highly recommend a man's search for meaning i've read it a few times and i can find it transformative so i think this is interesting in the context of what happened last weekend about a week ago now, young amateur golfer named Sam Bennett. Um, he knows something about quality time remaining. So for the Masters Tournament, which is arguably the biggest tournament every year in golf, they invite the top 50 worldwide ranked players, but they also invite a few amateur players. So if you win like the U.S. Amateur, um, you get an invitation to play in the Masters. And so Sam won that uh, in 2022 while he was a senior at Texas A&M, and that's how he qualified. Now, he has an interesting backstory in that in 2021, Sam lost his father to early onset Alzheimer's. And so prior to his passing, um, Sam's father wrote a short note to him, and it said, quote, don't wait to do something, all right? Um, now, that was occurring when he was losing a lot of his physical ability, so it looks like a little bit of a chicken scratch. You can see what it looks like on the Vitality Explorer Substack state, um, because what, what young Sam did with that little scratch note is he took it to a tattoo artist who created a stencil of it, and then he inked it on his inner left forearm. So it says, again, don't wait to do something. Pops 6-12-2020. So that message you know, sits on the inner, arm, inner left arm of Sam. He qualifies for the Masters, and then he goes out and shoots four under in the first round and four under in the second round to be in the top three of all the people who were playing in the Masters. So in the third round, which was played partially on Saturday and partially on Sunday because of weather, he played with two of the top golfers in the world, Brooks Kepka and John Rahm. And yes, he didn't do obviously as well as those two, but to live on that stage and to, to do something was very inspiring for a lot of us who were watching the tournament. And so optimizing our 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 time and his time led to him getting this opportunity. And he has a sort of an unconventional approach to golf, but it's clearly successful. And I, I encourage you to, to Google Sam Bennett, uh, the golfer and, or look at the pictures and a little bit more of that little tattoo on the inside part of his forearm. So I think what, what helped me with this concept and with Sam's idea of just getting after it, and playing the best golf he can, despite being really young and trying to do something, is that how can we optimize our time? And I don't think it has to do with our entire life. I think it can also do with our days, our hours, our minutes, or even our seconds. So if you if you think about that, not in terms of what am I going to do with my entire life, but what am I going to do with my day, or what am I going to do with my next hour? And then you start to figure out how to optimize that. If you optimize that over and over and over again, each hour, each minute, each second, then over a long period of time, you will have optimized your life. So it's just a thought. It's just a way to think about it. 
And I don't like to be absolutely overscheduled or worried that I'm wasting a half hour watching maybe a dumb show or reading something that isn't perfect. But I do think I, the idea of OTR or optimizing your time remaining really is an interesting concept. So um, please post your comments about that on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. And since we're talking sort of in this theme of, of time, I was um, very, very lucky to go to a longevity conference last week at Stanford uh, through the genetics department. There were some of the best people in the world talking about, you know, the aging process, how you can reduce or maybe even reverse the aging process. And one of the things that was fascinating from a variety of the, of the discussion uh, leaders was, you know, how can you predict your, your chronologic or your biologic age? And obviously chronologic age is just how old you are compared to your birthday. But there's this idea of a biologic age. And then, you know, this is something I've been searching for is, is are you younger than you really are? Are you older than you really are? So epigenetics is one of the tools. And those are those study of the molecules that sit in and around our DNA of our our or double helix of our DNA. So think, you know, your DNA is just sort of, sort of a spiral staircase with two pillars on either side, but on the outside of the, the, the spiral double helix staircase are little molecules. You can think of them as like little off on switches. And these are called epigenetics. And that's been one of the, you know, measuring the status of some of these um, epigenetic molecules has been one of the primary ways people have tried to predict age. But what I found fascinating is some of the people who are really deeply involved in this research find those epigenetic age calculators to have a lot of noise in the system. So you could try four or five of them and there would be a lot of difference between the two. And I've I've been in search of a way to, again, to, to predict a biologic age versus a chronologic age. And here's what was fascinating is that Um, a a new idea came up and that new idea was to, instead of using biomarkers that are, you know, sort of your blood, your bone marrow is to sort of look at, you know, the idea of simply taking a picture of your face, a selfie. Okay. And they call it the photo age clock. We're going to talk about this because I I took the photo age clock test or, or version of a photo age clock. And, and here's sort of this stuff I don't love to talk about, but in about about three months, I will turn 59. But according to the new biologic age clock from Novos Face, N-O-V-O-S, uh, no connection to them, I'm only 52. So I love the fact that I look seven years younger than my chronologic age, but the algorithm is quite interesting. And it was, it was based on training uh, um, a big data set of people 35 and older. And, and really what they were looking at is over 12 million Im- images and then validated by human dermatologic experts. And the, the, you know, they're not perfect all the time, but the, you know, it depends on the lighting, the camera, the quality, you know, whether you're, you know, had enough sleep or hydration. Um, but here's some of the things they, the details of it. So they had, you know, a score from zero to hundred where lower is better. And then they looked at specific parameters in your face. So I'll start with the good news. The, the good news is my, quote, facial wrinkle score was 5 out of 100, which is outstanding. And I think that's partially because through most of my 20s when I was training to become an orthopedic surgeon, I didn't see a lot of sun. And I didn't see a lot of sun in my 30s when I was building my practice. So for a long period of time, I didn't have a lot of sun. Um, the bad news is my, quote, eye bag score 
was 67. So I have been sleeping well recently, but I'm not sure where my eye bags are 67 and my facial wrinkles are five. But when you wash it all out, it looks like I'm 52 versus 59. All right, so I think the concept of using your face to evaluate age is rapidly evolving. Um, and I think over time, there's going to be more and more uh, interesting ways to take pictures of your face. Obviously, facial recognition software already exists, but can we use things that take a picture of your face to help predict not just your age, but to predict a disease? So the overall accuracy of, of the algorithm for the photo age clock, again, you can see the references on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site, was very, very good um, with the core, uh, uh, co correlation coefficient of 0.95. The algorithm was really best for people between, say, uh, 40 and 60. But they applied this algorithm to, to celebrities. So, so they took pictures that were online and they took a picture of, say, George Clooney, which is up on the site. And then they looked at the corners of his eyes and they took this picture when he was 53 years old. And unfortunately for George, the, the tool, the uh, facial age tool predicted he would be 54.2, so 1.2 years older. Um, so anyway, I think the, idea, the bottom line about using some of these tools is that um, your cosmetics, your lifestyle, and your medicine may change them. Um, you know, and I think there's other tools that are looking at different, not just the pictures of the wrinkles on your face, but sort of heat maps, the amount of maybe inflammation in your face as a, as a different predictor. I think it's, the reason I think it's meaningful is that you're predicting your chronologic and biologic age, the techniques behind that, whether it's using pieces of your DNA or your epigenetic markers or taking a picture of your face, um, are going to only continue to become more interesting and popular. Uh, and this non-invasive way, just taking a selfie, I think is really interesting because the cost factor is pretty much zero not zero, but it's significantly less expensive than any biomarker, blood or, you know, other biomarker. Uh, and then I'm hoping in the future that we're going to be able to use that to say, oh my gosh, this guy may or may not, or this gal may or may not be on their way to getting, say, Alzheimer's. So just, just a thought. Check out the, the, the uh, references on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site. And then we're going to finish this week with something it's fascinating to me and maybe a little, little scientifically geeky, and that is can fasting enhance your memory, okay? Um, and this is specifically intermittent fasting and a couple articles about that. Um, and again, we're going to re review this a little bit. We've talked about fasting and intermittent fasting and Vitality Explorer News in the past. Um, and this is something that I've been doing on and off for a long period of time. And the idea starts kind of with breck fast. So we break the fast in the morning after not eating overnight. That typically can be about eight hours uh, unless we're snacking in the middle of the night on something. And the most common form of intermittent fasting is to eat in sort of an eight hour window. So if you went to bed at eight o'clock and then you didn't eat anything until 12 o'clock the next day, that would be 16 hours of fasting. Um, now, again, the different types of fasting, some people say water only. Some people can say you can have a little coffee or tea, either just plain or perhaps with a little cheat of almond milk, which is what I do. Um, but they, they review a review article on how that affects your immune system is what I wanted to talk about to start. And that is intermittent fasting and its immunomodulatory effects, a systemic review. And here's some of the fascinating things they found. And um, let's just kind of go through systems. So for 
your pancreas, that would be increased glucose metabolism and uh, improved insulin resistance for your whole body. It can change how the total number of uh, inflammatory um, factors or actually how your immune cells move and your cardiovascular system and improves your blood lipids like cholesterol, reduces your blood pressure. Um, you know, in your intestines, there's less in inflammation. There's a more, more of a richness, richness or diversity in your microbiome. And finally, for your brain, fasting can improve cognitive function and actually treat anxiety. So it's pretty fascinating, right? Um, and, and I think the details of that are something that we should be leaning into a little bit more and trying to understand does some form of fasting really help us? The second, second paper is, is more of a basic science paper, and this is intermittent fasting enhances long-term memory consolidation in adult hippocampal neurogenesis, all right? Say that five times real fast. Um, and this is, this is one where they had mice and they had three different patterns of eating. First one was ad libitum. That's basically eating as much or, or as you know often as you want to, which is what a lot of people do. The second is a uh, second two patterns both had about 90% of the calories of the, of the little little uh, mice that were eating as much as they wanted and that's called calorie restriction or CR um, and that would be just 10% less food per day. And then the final one was the same amount of calories, but then feeding the animal every other day. Okay. So you had ad libitum, 100%, you know, whatever you want, calorie restricted, 90%, and then intermittent fasting, but every other day intermittent fasting for the animals. And so what they found was really fascinating. So the intermittent fasting showed longer, you know, better long-term memory and more brain cells in their hippocampus, which is a part of your brain that's associated with connections. Uh, and, and they measured this by evaluating whether the mice could go through a water maze where there was a specific part of the water maze that was considered the correct zone. All right. And that's a standardized test for these little bit, little varmints. Um, but in the caloric restriction area, it wasn't significantly different than the, you know, just eating as much as you want. Um, but when it came to intermittent fasting and spending time in the right area, or that's associated with memory, being able to have a better memory, remember where to get back to the intermittent fasting did, did much better. So taking together sort of this analysis of human studies and this analysis in mice, I think it's really interesting and pr provides reasonably powerful evidence to suggest that intermittent fasting can improve our me memory and many other parts of our body. Uh, I mean, the specifics of it, honestly, are a little you know, fuzzy, we do not know, and always check with your doctor or, or nutritionist about what's best for you. But I think it's what these papers suggest is it's not just the total number of calories we eat, but it's also when we eat that matters. So again, the, in the mouse study, there was the same amount of calories, but when they were restricting their feeding for a period of time, they, they actually did better. So I encourage you to look at the Vitality Explorer and use Substack site for the details of these three specific articles focused on time, focused on intermittent fasting. Uh, and remember this quote we had from the beginning, which is really important is, quote, time is free, but it is priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can, you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you never get it back. So over the course of the next week, think about how you can optimize your time remaining. Think about maybe testing out what your biologic age is versus your true age. And consider 
a fasting regimen because it may enhance your memory. As always on Vitality Explorer News, we hope you've enjoyed this. If you have, please leave us a five-star rating and or share this post with your network. And until next time, get out there and dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening.